The Order of the Night Wind are not allowed to operate outside of hut space. Thank you for turning him in. Give this man his reward. I am not a bounty hunter. Is that so? I've heard otherwise. Buckethead's Mayvartigar, welcome to the 121st Gadurfi stick carving episode of Mandovision, Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small, independent Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is, of course, over social media at Mando underscore Vision, Twitter and Instagram. Feel free to email the show at MandovisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, sharing the show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. And hey, if you have the time and the inclination, five-star reviews, so insanely helpful. Oh my goodness. Whoa! Whoa! I'm still I, I, I'm still just in, in absolute... Uh, I'm glowing. I, I, I'm full of delight and joy and, and just so much happiness from episode two. <laughs> from chapter two of the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, for anyone out there, you know, and I, there were people out there who thought, you know, chapter one was a little uh, subdued, a little understated. Uh, uh, well, let me let let's talk about it because if this one didn't get your attention, if this one didn't grab you by the Beskar and shake you around a little bit, I don't even know what we're doing here because I was absolutely riveted to my to my TV last night watching this at midnight. Uh, uh, one of the longest live-action Star Wars shows to date, running close to 53 minutes, uh, and and it just whizzed by. I was just transfixed by what I was seeing on the screen, and, and we're going to talk all about it. What a just a, a phenomenal episode of television. So many layers to get into, so many things to talk about. Um, you know, and, and, and before we kind of dive into it, I, I, I did want to mention, uh, I was on Twitter earlier, and I, I made a comment because I was... I was a little nervous uh, to start seeing some of the reaction to, that people had about this episode. You know, one of the things I th uh, that, that I sort of picked up on on social media last week uh, for as far as criticisms of Chapter 1 for Book of Boba Fett went was a lot of people didn't seem, really seem to be all that enamored with the Tusken Raider storyline that was, that was developing as, as a flashback. Uh, you know, you listen to this podcast, you know how much I was enamored with it, how much I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, mostly because I'm just, I guess I'm just a really big Tusken Raider fan from, from a lot of the, uh, the old EU stuff and, and into the movies. Uh, so getting to see a little bit more of their culture of the, of, of their society, uh, in, in like sort of this weird Boba Fett as like an anthropologist sort of way, uh, was, was fascinating to me. And, and we go even deeper in this week's episode. Uh, and there's a lot more, uh, comparisons to be drawn, you know, that they were definitely should have been something that we talked about last week, but they really go for it today. And, you know, we've talked about it in the past how sometimes Star Wars isn't isn't exactly known for uh, its, its cutting-edge social commentary. But there's a there's a little bit of commentary in this one, which for, for Star Wars is uh, commendable. And, and, again, we're going to talk about all that stuff. You know, and we got the big going on in the, in the present, present storyline uh, with Boba Fett's attempt to uh, – 
you know, cement his role as the daimyo of Tatooine. And, and we'll talk a lot about that, about like his uh, uh, quest for identity and, and, and how everyone around him seems to be... Uh... Well, we'll talk about it. Like I said, I don't, I don't want to get too far into it right now. But, but let's kind of get the, get the particulars out of the way. We are here to talk about the book of Boba Fett, Chapter 2, The Tribes of Tatooine, written once again by Jon Favreau and directed by first-time Star Wars director Steph Green, uh, who, if you look up Steph Green, she has a, she has a, a, a wonderful resume of the TV shows she's directed. But uh, seeing her in this episode of Star Wars, uh, I thought was so fantastically directed. Uh, the, the cinematography in this, all of it, just comes together so, so well. Just a wonderful through line of narrative in this episode. And, and uh, her, her directing skills clearly on display in this episode. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Our primary cast for this episode, of course, Tamara Morrison returns as Boba Fett. Ming-Na Wen is Fennec Shand. Matt Beria is the voice of 8D8. David Pascetti, I'm going to say your name wrong the entire time. I'm so sorry, sir. As Mok Shiaz is Major Domo. Jennifer Beals gets another shot as Garza Thwip. Uh, Paul Darnell is our Nightwind Assassin. We'll talk about Nightwind Assassins. And, and my two unsung heroes thus far of the series, Frank Trigg and Colin Himes as the Gamorrean Guards. I mean, what are we talking about here? It's awesome. <laughs> I lo- I love it and and you know our uh, you know I don't know I don't know how much I, I really want to read down into this there's some familiar faces in this episode like Alan Graff as the as the bartender uh, we talked about some of our, our favorite Tuscans from last week you know uh, Joanna Bennett as a Tuscan warrior Xavier Jimenez as as the Tuscan chieftain and uh, it's just it just goes on and on and and Robert Riga's another cameo as as Mok Shai as, uh, as the mayor's voice in this one. Good stuff all around. Uh, just, I'm, I'm so, in, just, I'm so blown away with this one. I can't wait to talk about it. So, so let me stop tripping over the cast for this week's episode. Again, Steph Green directs the crap out of it, and 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 John Favreau wrote the heck out of this episode. This is is, in my opinion, absolutely riveting television. I was so engrossed in this. This is is the the onion that I've wanted Star Wars to be for such a long time. You know, we're, we're, our entry point is, a, is a, ca- a character that we know, we have familiarity with, um, but we don't know at the same time. So him as our entry point into the world of the Tuscans and, and sort of his identity quest uh, that he's on makes for really fascinating television, and, and I, I'm so excited to talk about it. Uh, we, we'll get into like a lot of the Easter eggs um, because some of them are just mind-blowingly cool. One in particular, more so than the other. Like, one is, like, such a deep cut, and then one is just like, whoa, wait, they did that? Whoa, wait, they did that? And I'll let you determine which one, because I, th- I think for each person, um, some of these, these bigger Easter eggs are going to be, uh, they're going to have a different effect on you as, as, as a Star Wars fan. And it, it kind of, you know, it, it, not for better or for worse. I mean, it just depends where, where your fandom uh, uh, lies, I suppose, right? It's all good. I mean, it's the fun of it. So let's do it. Let's get into the show because I, I, again, I, I am chomping at the bit to talk about this one. All right, are you ready? It's that time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters and some drinks. Your cousin Jabba is dead. His cowardly majordomo usurped his territory, and then I killed him. All that is his belongs to me now. Your sister is right. If you want it, you'll have to kill me for it. Yeah, that's right. I played a clip that ends in in Hut E's dialogue, uh, and you don't know what he's saying. But the 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 message is that he says at the very end there, one of the twins says to Boba Fett, "Sleep lightly, bounty hunter." Uh, and you'll notice that we opened with a clip of Mayor Machias referring to Boba Fett again as a bounty hunter. And I find this in 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 our quote unquote present day storyline. Uh, where Boba is attempting to sort of cement his status as the daimyo of Tatooine. And, and what is he encountering? He's encountering uh, people not giving him his dues, 
his the respect that he believes he's earned, and not allowing him to advance his station in life. This is is sort of his part of his identity quest that that we get to see a bit more of when we flash back to his time with with the Tuscans. But why I found it so interesting, uh, it, we, you know, again we saw it in the, in the first episode, we see it more so in this one. The 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 notion of keeping a person down, of not letting them advance, of not letting them change their station, change their situation. Everyone just sees Boba Fett as a bounty hunter, and and his his notions of attempting to rule through respect instead of fear, uh, not not netting much in the way of positivity and incurring a lot of favor from the other uh, criminal enterprises of Mos Espa at this point. And, and I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this storyline is going to play out over the course of the, of the remaining episodes. Uh, because obviously, Boba has to assert himself. He has to uh, uh, force them to respect him as someone who has risen above their status as simply a bounty hunter. And, and I'm really excited to see. Obvi- I, I think it's, it's pretty obvious at this point that as we spend more time in those flashbacks... We're going to start to understand why he's on this quest, why he's on this mission to become more than just a bounty hunter. The, the, again, a, a bounty hunter whose reputation was known throughout the galaxy. And now he's in a position where he'd been laid low uh, and, and, and people have, are seemingly seeming to dismiss him very, very quickly. Now, there, there is the time gap. We got, we're still establishing how much time he spends with the Tuscans and, and how quickly the galaxy seems to forget him, how much the galaxy has moved on from him. Uh, and it'll also be interesting to see what occurs with other bounty hunters. Like, who's risen to fill the void of Boba Fett? If, he, if Boba Fett is not the, 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 the greatest, most feared and revered bounty hunter in the galaxy, who is? And is it our new debut character, the Easter egg that, made the mo- that had the most resonance for me, that my jaw almost hit the floor when this character came around and, and we see them from behind and the main, uh, again, seeing it in real life and, and me thinking to myself, no, it can't be. And then he, you see him and you're like, it is. And if you're a fan of, what's, of, of what Marvel is doing with the Star Wars comic books, you will definitely recognize Black Crescenton. And I know I'm probably saying this right now because it's, you know, it's a weird name. Crescenton. Crescenton. But he has been around in the Marvel Comics since about around 2015. I think he debuted um, back at, at the beginning of Darth Vader's book, uh, the one that uh, uh, Karen Gellin wrote. And, and I think he's been in there since issue one. He had a big part at the beginning of, the, of that arc, uh, actually sort of working for Darth Vader alongside Boba Fett. In order to track down Luke Skywalker, now, now Black Crescenton's mission was different. Uh, he was tracking down a different person, but again, working hand, working with Darth Vader. Darth Vader's two top choices for bounty hunter hires to get these missions done: Boba Fett and Black Crescenton. Uh, Black Crescenton, a a disgraced Wookiee. Boba Fett makes reference in this episode to him being a gladiator, a pit fighter. That's part of Black Crescenton's origin. His his. Um, sort of rise to prominence as a bounty hunter. He, he rose up from the pits uh, uh, as, as, as a gladiator to become a feared and revered bounty hunter in the galaxy. A, a really interesting character that we've spent a good amount of time with in the Marvel comic book universe. Uh, and and his, again, if you have, I, I think I've recommended in the past, if you have that Comixology Unlimited account that's like five or six bucks a month, uh, you can get these issues, you can borrow them from the, from the account and read up on this character. Uh, he spends a lot of time in the Vader book in that 2015 series. I think it runs from 2015 to 2018. Uh, and he's also in a huge chunk of the Dr. Afra comic book because he forges a, a bit of a partnership uh, where and, and there's a lot of uh, deceit and betrayal between both characters as they're both trying to achieve their own agendas. And and so Black Crescenton's appearance is 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 insanely exciting. But it also potentially hints at more characters from the from the the comic books universe to to come. Will we get Doctor Afra, the the intergalactic, morally flexible, uh, <laughs> more maybe morally ambiguous is more of a, a way to describe her, uh, to describe her. And I'm, I'm not even sure her her is the right terminology because I don't. She, 
again, not necessarily a gender fluid character, but, it, but you know, again, her pronoun game is is escaping me at the moment. But Doctor Aphra is a great character who has come up through the ranks in the Marvel comic books as well. So I wonder if this hints at the, the potential of Doctor Aphra arri- arriving, and and listen, I we can play the speculation game all day long, but if you're going to get Doctor Aphra. Why not complete the, 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 the amazing team-up of Black Chrysanthemum, Dr. Afra by then introducing BT-1 and Triple Zero? Who are BT-1 and Triple Zero, if you haven't been reading the comic books? Oh, why, they are basically like the mirror universe versions of R2-D2 and C-3PO. They are homicidal droids who exist to commit murder <laughs> and mayhem wherever they go. BT One is is the the R two analog as as is a again a homicidal droid, and and Triple Zero is the is the the protocol droid gone very very bad and very very dark, and they are just a a complete blast to to read in the comic books. So if you if you're gonna if you want to get nuts, let's get nuts and bring in some psychopathic homicidal droids. Psychopathic, yeah, psychopathic. <laughs> Psychotic. We we'll just call them psychotic homicidal droids, like BT One and Triple Zero. That would be incredible, incredible. But Black Crescenton clearly here as the enforcer of of Jabba's cousins, the, known as the twins. We don't know their individual names yet. He's their enforcer. We're setting up potentially a big grudge match between these characters. Again, they have a history. Boba Fett kind of threw it in Black Crescenton's face. And, and I, I can't wait to see how this shakes out. This was the one that I was just like, whoa. Whoa, we're doing this. We're bringing in these characters. And, and it's it's really cool because one of the things I've talked about openly on the show is is like very often uh, the the live-action enterprises of, of, of Star Wars, and, and this applies to the MCU and, and other uh, uh, franchises as well that do, that do comic book licenses as well, they're sort of beholden to what happens on the screen, right? You're, if something occurs in a movie, a lot of times the books and the comics and, and, and other forms of media have to adapt at the last minute and maybe, maybe change something around to make it make sense uh, for, for continuity and, and for the internal logic of whatever stories they're telling. Uh, to see that Disney is, is going into the comic books and saying, like, that's a great character, we're bringing that one into live action, and, and the, the fans who have been spending their time reading these comic books are going to get an insane reward for reading the books. Again, I was blown away that they've done this. So why not go all the way? Why not bring in Afra at some point? Why not bring in BT-1 and Triple Zero and some of these other more memorable characters that seem like maybe they were confined to print only? Why not bring them into the live action? We have enough shows moving forward that... Uh, um, Again, it's it's why not? This is a, a Star Wars universe that's rife with potential. Let's continue to explore it in, in, in as many fun, unique ways as we can. Uh, another interesting aspect for Black Rosanton too, uh, he does have a long history. Uh, he has in fact engaged in a brawl with one Obi Wan Kenobi. Do we get to see that depicted in live action in the Kenobi show? Hmm, wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be fun? So. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, there's so many themes going on here. Again, Boba Fett's quest for identity, for changing his station, for getting people to acknowledge and respect that change of station is, is sort of like his, his driving force in, in, in this present time, present storyline. Uh, you know, we start off the episode with Fennec Shand bringing the, the Order of the Nightwind survivor back to Jabba's palace to be interrogated. It's a funny sequence. Uh, with, with him being threatened by the Gamorrean guard, and then they eventually drop him into the Rancor pit, which is, of course, we know is empty uh, because, no, you know, Jabba wasn't around to get a Rancor. So, uh, uh, but a fun threat, the way it played out, of watching that, that, that the, what I thought was a really nice little comedic performance uh, from, from all the actors involved, uh, especially that, that actor who was, who was the, the Nightwind Raider, uh, kind of freaking out thinking that there was about to be a uh, Rancor coming through the door to eat him. Uh, that was, again, really, really cool stuff. I, I like that very, very much. And, um, yeah, you, through the use of the Rancor, though, the, the, the Order of the Nightwind member name drops the mayor. The mayor of, of Mos Espa, the one who did not 
who sent his major domo, did not come to pay tribute and respect to Boba Fett in chapter one. So now it's time for Boba to go and demand answers. And we, and we, we, we get to meet Mayor Mokshiaz for the first time. We saw him in the trailer. We recognize him. Uh, the, he's the one, uh, the Ithorian who's in charge of Mos Espa. The Ithorians, in case you're having trouble placing that, remember the cantina scene, episode four, uh, lovingly referred to as Hammerhead? That's an Ithorian. And uh, they're one of my favorite species in, in the old expanded universe. You know, I, I, again, I understand that the expanded universe is long gone, but one of the things that was so wonderful about it was, especially at the time, you know, between, you know, when, when, when Thrawn first got introduced around like 92, 93, whenever that was, uh, up until like the early 2000s when, when the prequel started coming out, you know, there was a, a, a vast array of books coming out. Uh, but they were all based around what we saw in episodes four, five, and six. So a lot of alien species got to be explored more fully and got to be, uh, uh, had stories about them, like the, you know, Momadadon, the, the Ithorian that we meet in the cantina, has this wonderful backstory in the Tales from the Cantina uh, novella. No, it's not a novella, it's an um, an- uh, anthology book. You know, so we, we get to spend these time. This, we got to spend time with these characters in very, very different ways. Since the new canons come around, we haven't really spent much time with the, with with Ithorians and, and some of the other species that we got to know so well during that old expanded universe time period. So, uh, I was again, maybe it's just the old man in me, just delighted to spend time with an Ithorian in this regard, uh, and and uh, he's one of the characters who is knocking. Boba down, sort of refuting his claim to the throne, refuting him as the quote unquote as as the daimyo of Mos Espa. Uh, again, he pays him a bounty for bringing that Order of the Nightwing member down. Boba takes the money as 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 a um, as the tribute that he never got from Machias the first time around, but it's definitely meant as an insult in in my in my, in my estimation. Uh, this this is this is Machias saying that you are only a bounty hunter and you will never be anything more than that. The things that are going on here are way, way above your belt. And that's sort of what he says as his parting gift to Boba Fett when he talks about trying to be able to run a family and how it's more complicated than Boba Fett can even imagine. Uh, saying that he's not, Mokshia is saying, he, this guy, this guy, this bounty hunter Boba Fett, not up to the task, up to the challenge of, of you know, spearheading this criminal organization that, that, Seems to be the the uh, the underworld of Tatooine and Mos Espa in particular. I, I I'm very curious to spend more time with Machias and see where he fits into things. Uh, I sort of wondered if you if you know in, in our review of last week's episode, um, if his refusal to attend and pay tribute to to Boba Fett was a sign that he he fancies himself as the kingpin of crime on Tatooine and Mos Eisley. But that doesn't seem to be the case thus far. But Machias might be playing a bit of a deeper game here, and, and we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. But that doesn't seem to be the case as, as he points and, and asks, forces Boba to ask the question, like, I didn't hire this guy. I just killed this guy and paid you the bounty for him because they're not supposed to be operating outside of Hut space. Like, this is the law, and we're, we're, I'm doing it legally, right? This is what's happening. So who really hired this guy? And he, he directs him back to the sanctuary, back to... Uh, 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 I'm, geez, I'm already so bad with the names. I haven't quite memorized everybody's titles just yet. Uh, Garza Thwip. My goodness, Garza Thwip, who runs the Sanctuary Bar. So they make their way there to see what's going on. And, and Garza Thwip, not super excited to see Boba and Fennec back in the Sanctuary. And she warns him that there's more going on here than just you thinking you're in charge. And here's what's about to happen. And we hear the drums. And everything goes quiet. Max Rebo, figuring it in. Stop playing the music. We just hear the drum beat, the drum beat, the drum beat. So Boba, Fennec, and his Gamorrean guards go outside. And this is this is the scene where Black Chrysanthemum makes his debut eventually. But from around the corner, we, we get to see the payoff to all the jokes they were setting up last week when they kept referring to Boba Fett being being carried around on a litter. Because what do we see come around the corner? But not one, two huts being carried on a litter. And, and they're coming to assert their claim to Jabba's throne on Mos Eisley and Tatooine. And so, obviously, these two are coming into conflict. They are the ones who hired the Nightwind Assassins. Again, they work out of Hut space. Makes the most sense. What I thought was interesting 
Uh, one of the in many interesting aspects of this conversation that Boba has with these twins, uh, these cousins of Jabba's, uh, is is that uh, it's very interesting timing because uh, it seems like it seems like the, the twins are are kind of running things on Nalhata after Jabba's death, right? Uh, Boba refers to uh, they're in charge of sort of like they're in charge of the debauchery of Nalhata right now. This is very interesting timing for for that phrasing because it was just last month, last month I guess it was technically November. I didn't read it until last month, but we we again something else we have talked about on this podcast. The War of the Bounty Hunters crossover comic book series featuring Boba Fett and the frozen body of Captain Han Solo and, and, and sort of these tumultuous chain of events that reintroduces, uh, uh, you know, uh, Crimson Dawn and, and, you know, the Empire fighting for Han Solo's body and, and all these various factions per, trying to pursue Han. And there's a big hut storyline running through there as well, one in which uh, uh, Crimson Dawn kind of kind of calling the shots over the huts, over these particular huts, and uh, one hut in particular, manipulating the rest of the hut council to attack the Empire uh, in, in order to uh, potentially allow Princess Leia, Chewbacca, and Lando Calrissian an opportunity to rescue Han from Imperial forces, uh, only to be thwarted eventually by Boba Fett. But what happens in this is the huts engage against the Empire, Palpatine's not stoked on that, dispatches Darth Vader to deal with the huts, and we see... Vader kill the entire Hut Council, which is what propels Jabba to be the de facto leader of all the Hut clans uh, singly. No, no more of Hut Council, which we have spent time talking about on recent episodes of Mandavision, as we have reviewed episodes of Star Wars: The Clone Wars. So, just a kind of this wonderful confluence of, of timing. Uh, as, you know, we're watching. Is just a month ago we're watching these episodes of Clone Wars with the Hut Council. And then last month, I'm reading a comic book with them getting killed in the time of between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And now we're seeing sort of like the fallout of that and the fallout of Jabba's death as, as these, these cousins of Jabba's are now trying to assert control over the Huts and, and Nalhada. And, and basically probably all of Hut space, I would imagine, which has always been... Uh, they've managed to stay fairly independent even in the time of the Empire, mostly through back channels and, and cutting a lot of deals. So a lot going on. In, in what was only like the first like 15-ish minutes of the episode. So, again, pay attention to, to Boba's quest to change his station, to change the perception of him in the eyes of others. That, that's sort of like what his, his driving force is right now. And we're, I think we're going to learn more about why he's trying to do this, why he's trying to change who he is or the perception of him in, in the galaxy uh, through his time with the Tuscans. But we'll have to wait and see about that. Uh, so I'm going to do a quick pause right now. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the flashback sequence that, that really just drives this episode and uh, gives Star Wars a chance to do some some um, fairly interesting sort of social commentary is a, a stretch, but to sort of make some observations and, and draw some comparisons to the real world. Uh, particularly in, in as it as it sort of continues its Western homage through the Mandalorian and now into the Book of Boba Fett, that that Western homage is continuing, uh, and we get to look at it in in a very different way with the Tuscans, and we're going to talk about that right after this quick break. I will stop the train. I will stop them. I will take rifle and stick. Be back by morning. So as great as all the stuff in Moss Espa in the in the quote unquote present timeline is in this episode, the real heart and soul where this episode really just just takes off, in my opinion, is is the the flashback sequence that dominates this episode. Um, again, we spent maybe fifteen minutes or so in that present day storyline. We spend thirty ish minutes in the flashback in, in a really just incredible scenario uh, scenario and in a really great sequence of events uh, for Boba Fett as, as he's spending time with this, this clan of Tuscans, this tribe of Tuscans who he is uh, maybe not officially joined, maybe is more sort of uh, respected and, and, and tolerated as an outsider, but he's not one of them. Uh, but he, he's, he's gaining respect. He wants to learn their ways. He wants to honor them and their beliefs. And, uh, he's just like this really again respectful guest of of this this civilization of this society not the civilization necessarily but of this culture of these people 
And again, it, it, it was very much hinted at in, in the last week's episode in, in a more subtle way. And we talked about it, and again, in a very subtle way in our last episode. Um, you know, I, I, particularly I talked about like how I enjoyed seeing more of the, of the culture of, of the Tuscan people in, in that episode. But they really go for it in this episode, and they really just, just, in my opinion, they just completely hit this on the head uh, and, and provide a look at the Tuscan Raiders' fashion that I don't think many of us have considered uh, in, 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 in Star Wars. You know, perhaps if we are fans of some of the other expanded universe can, canon, the old or the new, uh, fans of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, who got to spend more time with the, with the Tuscans, you know, perhaps this is more on our radar. Uh, but for it to be presented in this way, in such a direct and, and overt way, as the Tuscan Raiders, as the indigenous people of Tatooine, and sort of their land being misappropriated from them, being taken away from them, uh, bits and pieces, these, these sacred lands of, of their of their of their culture of their of their people and and the way they're they're being treated as outsiders pushed away pushed out further and further into the dune sea and and boba fett seeing this respecting this and and encouraging them to sort of fight back especially as as the primary motivator in this episode the the train again another western metaphor the train that signaled great change bringing the east to the west uh in in, the, in that era, and and how it changed the country, how it changed the world. But this train's a little bit different. It's this isn't unifying people. This is a train of the Pike Criminal Syndicate. All right, so it's full of spice and guns and bad bad things. But on their way from point A to point B, the Pikes are out the window shooting the Tuscan Raiders again, the indigenous native people of Ta- of of Tatooine, because the perception of the Pikes and of everyone else of the moisture farmers of the people in the cities in, in Moss Isley, Moss Aspa, Anchorhead, all around, the Tuscans are simply savages, right? And that's all they are. And again, that that, that metaphor, that comparison to the, the the picture that was painted of Native Americans back in the day, that they were they were they were savages. They, you know were not civilized in any sense. Um that's that's the metaphor. That's what they're going for in this episode, and I, I I think they do it. I think the commentary on this is again for Star Wars. It's it's impressive they went this route. Um, but what is really e- equally impressive is, and what I would like to know more about, and I hope we find out more now that this episode is air. I, I hope we'll get some some uh, information. I'd love to hear more from Tamora Morrison uh, for his contributions to this episode, uh, because uh, as as you probably know, Tamora Morrison. A, a, a Maori member of the, of the a member of the Maori tribe, excuse me, and and so he is an indigenous. He is descended from indigenous people. He is part of an indigenous tribe uh, from his home country. And what was his? I, I would love to know his input, his his thought process on 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 this particular episode and how much they let him do, uh, or how much input they allowed him to have in this episode. Because as an indigenous person. This this episode must have really hit home for him in in a lot of senses, and and I'm I'm, I'm very curious how much his his Maori uh, heritage came into play uh, for in for for its uh, influence on how the Tuscans are, are being portrayed in the in the series, uh, particularly that that sort of uh, I I don't want to use the wrong terminology here, but the the, the sort of like uh, the that sort of dance that sort of uh, uh, tribal chant that they have at the end of the episode around the fire with the Gaderfi sticks uh, so wonderful so beautiful to see uh, I, 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 like I said very, I very very much want to know uh, what Morrison's input was in, into, into that whole sequence I, I feel like the story must have been so personal to him in, in so many ways as, as a member of an indigenous tribe uh, and, and, and getting, to, getting to have a, a, a Star Wars story that points this out to people who maybe didn't never thought of the Tuscans in this regard. And, and uh, his, his, the speech when he's talking to the chieftain about, about the, the sacredness of the land and, 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 and their heritage and, and how it's being uh, taken from them by this train and by the, by these, the, by, by the Pike syndicate and, and how he's going to show them how to stop this train. Uh, it, it's so wonderful and it's so good. 
and I I can't wait to watch more of it. And and, and again, like I I I pull back from saying this is Star Wars making social commentary, um, because it it's it's again they're not they're not going out on a limb. They're not doing anything controversial. It, it's but it's a very apt metaphor, and it's 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 it provides so much enlightening perspective onto the Tusken Raiders and and who they are, and allows us as an audience to think about them in a different way than than we we've sort of have seen them cast in in uh, episode one, excuse me, not episode one, in in, uh, in in episode four when we first encounter them attacking Luke, uh, and then again in episode two where they capture. Uh, Anakin's mom and, and basically torture and kill her. Um, this this allows us a lot of different avenues to to explore them as a people. And and the chieftain points out he he talks about this how there's there's many tribes of Tuscans, many tribes of Tatooine, and they, they many of them have chosen different paths. This tribe in particular has chosen to you know stay hidden, to hide, to lay low, to not draw the ire of these outsiders who are are. If not outright hunting them, at least uh, you know taking pot shots from a train, you know to to sort of dissuade them from the perception that they're all they're going to do is attack them. Well, again, now that you have Boba Fett on on your side, and Boba Fett is like he's not going to tolerate this. He's not going to watch these Tuscans die. He's embracing them as as a people, as a culture. Uh, he's partaking partaking in their rituals. You know, the, him carrying the body of the dead Tuscan back to the funeral pyre. Uh, you see the effect it has on him, and this this goes back to what we talked about in in the present day storyline, uh, with Boba Fett's current mindset of of changing his station in life, and I think we begin to see the the beginning of this in this Tuscan storyline back in chapter one and now in chapter two, the sort of quest for identity that Boba is on, you know. The armor has been taken away from him. He's he's sort of lost his identity when that armor was stripped from him by those Jawas, and and now he has to figure out who he is. He, he at, at his core, he knows his identity. He knows that he's his father's son. He's a practical man. He he's a simple man making his way in the galaxy, as we as we all know. But that identity that 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 he forged as as the relentless, merciless bounty hunter, uh, is is morphing. It's changing. He's growing. He had a, a, a near-death experience in the Sarlacc pit. How has that affected him? How has, has being left for dead on the sands of, of Tatooine affected him? Uh, as, as, as it appears, he's trying to find a new way and forge a new path for himself. And, and that's very much what this episode is all about. Um, particularly by the end when he goes on, on like that vision quest. Uh, when, when he gets all high off that, that weird dust and possibly some sort of spice and then has a little lizard man go up his nose uh, <laughs> and, and comes back with with a sacred sacred branch from a tree to forge his own Gadurfi or Gaffy stick by the way there's there's it, it, the Gaffy and Gadurfi it, it's it's the same thing there's there's no right or wrong way it, it's it's you can call it one or the other they are the same thing uh, I, I double and triple checked this just to make sure I was right and and Gaffy Gadurfi we're, we're all good um but just it, it, it just I just found it so impactful, so uh, important, and and again for Star Wars to kind of have this sort of direct metaphor uh, for Western civilization as well as other civilizations. You know, imperialism has happened everywhere. Uh, you know, and, and indigenous people have been forced out around the globe. I mean, this is not a specific United States thing, but. When you're when you're when you're referencing westerns, that that western motif, um, the Native Americans played a part in that in that motif, and this sort of is is reshaping your image of that. This is this is like that that. Ugh, I don't, actually, I was about to make a comparison. I'm not going to make it. It's no good. But allowing us to change our perspective, uh, maybe think about the Tuscans in a way that that. Uh, depending on your Star Wars fandom, maybe you hadn't really considered them to be anything more than just like these kind of like crazy dudes out in the desert taking pot shots at pod racers. Uh, it, it, this episode forces us to confront the fact that they are a people, and and they have an ancestral claim to this land, and they're being forced off of it, whether it's by swoop gangs or the Pike Syndicate, various other criminal enterprises, mining guilds, moisture farmers, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, and obviously, I, I'll reference it once again. The Kenobi book from John Jackson Miller uh, talks about the the feud between the Tuscans and the moisture moisture farmers. 
Uh, and that's very, very much a reference to uh, the Native Americans and and uh, like the 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 farmers of the of the prairies back in the day in in the old west here in this in in the in the United States. Um, but again, I just think it's it's done in such a such a really nice, respectful way. It's it's not. Um, it's not a. It's not a, a. It's not a complete metaphor because, um, instead of it being about imperialism or or, um, it, it's Star Wars. You know, it's it's various other elements that are that are forcing the Tuscans out. It's you know, you got the Pikes over here, you got swoop gangs over here, you got moisture farmers. Over, there's various elements at play here that that have, have forced the Tuscans to live a lifestyle that that the they probably wish they weren't living, and and. Again, the emotional impact of it, I, I, I just felt it. it. It really resonated with me. And, and again, Tamura Morrison, as a, a member of the Maori tribe himself, as an indigenous person, uh, I, I would just love to know what his influence was. You know, How much of, of his experiences did they, did they put into this episode? Uh, and and I, I think we'll get to learn that at some point, whether it's... Uh, uh, in interviews that come out after this episode is aired, or perhaps it'll be in like a you know one of those behind the scenes things that Disney Plus will often release the week after uh, one of the series has concluded. Uh, I, but I'm I'm very very curious, and I just I I'm just so so impressed by what I saw, and again I cannot wait to rewatch it because I just found it so emotionally satisfying and and very very moving. The the moments. You know, whether it's the more serious moments with the attack on the train, which was so, so good, or, or, the, the, or the, the sort of lighter humored moments where Boba's attempting to teach these, these Tuscans how to ride swoops, you know, and most Tuscan tribes, very anti-technology. Uh, and, and we see that when, when Boba first brings back the swoops, the, the speeder bikes, if you will, you know, and, and, and they begin to kind of like take them apart because they're, they're sort of anti-technology in a lot of ways. They're very into their traditions and into their heritage. So they, they sort of reject technology in a way. Uh, but it speaks to like the respect that they're, they're granting to Boba Fett for what he did in Chapter 1, that they're willing to indulge him in this. They want to stop the train. They want to stop their people from getting killed by this train. And, and, and so we, they, they, they sort of, if not outright embrace the technology, they embrace his plan and the implementation of it and the way to use these as a tool to stop this train from killing them. Uh, and it's it's just really really nice, but let's 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 sort of change topics here real quick. Uh, despite this being like again the heart of the episode, we cannot talk we cannot not talk about the other massive Easter egg in this episode. Uh, I, I am of course referring to we played the sound clip of Boba Fett convincing the Tuscan chieftain he he'd be back by sunrise. He's got a plan. He's gonna go do this thing. Because uh, he's seen these swoops heading off in the distance, and he's gonna go. He he knows where they're going. Bofet knows the lay of the land, and where are they going? My friends, they go to Tashi Station, the illustrious, the legendary Tashi Station, that was cut from the final film of Episode Four: A New Hope, but you can see the deleted scenes of, on YouTube, on your DVDs, on your Blu-rays, whatever you got. Tashi Station scenes, the footage is there. It exists, and we get to see it brought to life sort of brought into the canon, if you will, because this is the first time it's actually seen on film. Now, if you've read the original Star Wars novelization or any of the old screenplays, you know the scene. And again, you can watch it. The deleted scenes are available, but we get to see the legendary Tashi Station where Luke Skywalker and Biggs would go and get their power converters with their friends, and Uncle Owen would get really, really pissed about it. He did not seem to like them going to Tashi Station to do that sort of thing. We also get... Luke's friends from that scene. If you watch the deleted scene, there are two other characters with Luke and Biggs. Lays, Lowe's owner, a.k.a. Fixer, and Cami Marstrap, a, a sort of a female crush of Luke Skywalker's. Um, and we that's who we catch up with in this bar. That's who's upset about the Nikto swoop gang. Fixer and Cami, now back in canon. What, what kind of deep cut is this? Crazy. And then Boba Fett walking in there again. He's in his like partially digested uh, jumpsuit, and uh, has like a derpy and a rifle, and he goes to town on the Tatooine equivalent of the Sons of Anarchy. It was awesome, and uh, uh, 
oh, he just walks in there, and again, Sans armor, Sans the 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 reputation that said armor gives him to walk into a room like that, but carries that gravitas nonetheless. Armor and helmet, Sans armor and helmet, and then just proceeds to whoop the butt of every single Nikto swoop gang member in there, and that that is of course the swoop gang that we saw back in chapter one who was harassing the moisture farmer, right? They had that, that sort of like, again, I, I don't think it's an actual a J and an L, but the, the, the initials of this, this gang are, are very reminiscent of a J and an L. Uh, so I, I need to do a little bit more uh, research on the, on the Oribesh. I think we got to see some of their, uh, some of the characters on the back of one of their, uh, their, um, um, their cuts, if you will. And, and, uh, I'll see if I can figure out what exactly what that means before the next episode, and we can talk about it a little bit more. But yeah, sort of sort of tying that little end together. You know, Boba seeing that swoop gang in action, harassing the moisture farmer, stealing from him, and now we see him at Tashi Station being a bunch of jerks to Cammy and Fixer, uh, and then Boba comes in and wrecks house, and it was awesome, and it was awesome, and that's how Boba acquires the swoops, and then thus train training the Tuscans. To, to, to attack the train, to stop the train, to stop the pikes from killing them. And, and uh, uh, it's, it's awesome. You know, Boba's been doing his training with the Gadurfi from the, from the Tuscan warrior from Chapter 1. And uh, this, this sort of further ingrains him into this tribe's culture, into this tribe's society, uh, as he now gets the robes, those black robes that we saw him donning, uh, back in, 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 in his return in season two of The Mandalorian when Din Djarin first encounters him uh, and, and, and Boba's attempting to recover his armor from Din. Uh, those, this is those robes. Now, again, I, I'm very, very curious how this all is going to play out with the Tuscans, what shape uh, his leaving the Tuscans is, is in. Uh, is is it is it with their blessing? Is it with their permission? Does something terrible happen? Is there an awful tragedy? Um... And I guess we're gonna. I guess we're gonna have to wait and see, because I, I think that the question, the biggest question I'm asking myself now is, again, and 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 he talks about this with with the Tuscan chieftain, Boba talks about how they're noble warriors, how they are the the this this wonderful people, uh, so so. Boba's learning like the positive things about the Tuscan raiders, right? But when he comes out of the desert, when he comes back to rec- to reclaim his armor, first from Cobb Banth and then from Din Djarin, why is he on this path? Why does he want to be the daimyo of Tatooine? Is it in order to aid the Tuscans? Is there something going on? Does something go bad? Does something go dark? And he's like, no, this is the path. Ruling the underworld, you know, being the bad guy, this is the path. Uh, and and that, those are the questions I think we're gonna we're gonna get answers to over the remaining episodes of the season, at least potentially. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know the plans if, if if they're planning to do like an alternating sort of sort of scenario between the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett every other year. There's a new season of the show. I, I don't know necessarily the long term plans. Disney and Lucasfilm are very uh, close to the vest on those sort of things, but I really really like it. Um, and and uh, yeah. I just, I, I like not knowing. Don't get me wrong. I like not knowing what the plan is. I'm just curious how much we're going to get in this season uh, because there may be plans for another one, you know, and, I, and we'll find out at the end of that episode, that seventh episode, if, you know, they, they're, they're pretty good at letting us know what's coming next. So we'll find out. But yeah, I'm, I'm very curious. How does Bofet end, uh, end up on this path to wanting to be the daimyo? And, you know, what happens to this tribe of Tuscans? Is he trying to help them? Is he trying to... I don't know, better the situation for the Tuscans by being the daimyo? I, I can't wait to find out. I'm really, really excited. I, there's so many questions, but I was just so impressed with this episode. Uh, it, it seems that, that many, many others were as well. Uh, and, you know, if I see otherwise, well, don't worry. We'll, we'll talk about those too and, and those crazy lunatics who uh, decided to hate on this one. I loved it. it it's so good. I can't wait to watch it again. I'll be watching it again tonight and maybe again tomorrow. Um, like, I, I almost want to give it 10. Like, I, I rarely give out a perfect score. This is dang close. This is really darn close. Uh, I, like, 
nine and a half buckets for sure. You know, and I I watched it again tonight. I might be persuaded to change that to a 10 real, real quick. And then uh, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, what a great episode. What a great one. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you, and if you didn't, please, by all means, you know where to find me so that you can you can reach out and let me know how wrong I am. You, you can do that at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. Email the show. Send me your long-form thoughts over at MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. And another reminder to please make sure you're liking, subscribing, sharing the show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. Um, we're going to get out of here. I want to I mention one more time that we do have a Patreon going on. There'll be some new content coming up very, very soon. Uh, Patreon-exclusive episodes uh, uh, that'll be talking about uh, some other things going on in pop culture, not just not just Star Wars goodness. We got some other things to talk about too, and we are definitely going to be touching on a lot of different topics over over the next few months on on the Patreon only special bonus episodes. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash Mandovision. There is a link on the show notes. Uh, if 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 uh, there's any problems, just click that link and it should take you right there, and you can check out the two tiers that we offer and uh, see if it's worth your time. Otherwise. Don't worry. The show's going to be out. It's going to be free forever and ever. Uh, we do have to thank the current Mandovision maniacs out there in the world because we do have quite a few, and I want to thank them right now. Thank you to the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman Abejo, Jeff Nail. Jeff has a great podcast I recommend for music fans called The Ringing Ear. Check that out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles. The Squidmaster General Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pariah Brewing Company here in San Diego and coming soon, extremely soon, to Baltimore, Maryland, the Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops, and, and the silent assassin, he who should not be named, and finally our newest, newest member. And uh, I haven't come up with his nickname just yet. <laughs> Mostly because I just want to, I just want to give, I just want to put it out there. Uh, <laughs> we'll just call him Syndicate Ram. Syndicate Ram, who's got a great podcast of his own that I definitely recommend checking out. Go check out the Co Is G podcast, the Come On Is Still Good podcast, where they watch movies and tell you if it's good or not. Old movies, <laughs> and it's a fun time. Uh, and I know those guys; they're a great bunch of guys. So thank you to them for supporting the show. Truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, Syndicate Ram may not want to have that as his name. We'll see. We'll we'll talk to him about that. That may be different next week. We'll talk soon though, and figure that one out for sure. All right, well, let's get out of here. Um, um, quick programming note. There will not be a show on, on Friday. Or we're not going to do another Clone Wars. Uh, it will be two a week from here on out. I kind of have to pull things back just a little bit. Just a little bit because uh, I, I, I got I, – I, it was just getting a little hectic. So Mandovision uh, will be doing shows on either Monday or Tuesday for Clone Wars or for Star Wars, the Clone Wars rewatches, and then we'll be back on Wednesdays for more Boba Fett fun. All right, so we will talk to you again next week. Have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay smart, stay awesome, stay watching Star Wars, and remember, this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. way.